Today's guest says, I firmly believed that the best way to satisfy my needs and achieve what I wanted in life was by controlling everything and everyone. But then something happened. Actually, a series of somethings happened. We will find out more in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. Today's guest is Daniel A. Miller, and Daniel is the author of The Gifts of Acceptance, Embracing People and Things as They Are. Daniel, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you, Pamela. It's very, very nice to be here. Well, let me let me tell folks a little bit about you, Daniel. After graduating from UCLA with honors in business administration, uh, Daniel finished in the top five percent of his class at UCLA Law. Uh, and while he was still in his twenties, Daniel became a popular real estate instructor in the UCLA Extension program. So, Daniel, it sounds like you were on the fast track. You were on a roll. I was. I was uh, on a, an assertive, uh, aggressive, type A personality role for quite a few years. But then some things happened, Daniel. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the traumatic events mm-hmm. that caused a shift for you in your worldview, your personal view. Right. About over a, a five-year period, there were a, a series of, uh, I guess you could say, traumatic events. Um, um, one was a neighbor tried to burn down our house uh, and lit a fire right under our son's bedroom. Uh, we had heavy rains and lost our, our deck uh, hanging precariously over a neighbor's house, and so we couldn't move out of the house. Uh, had a, a building that had burned down. And there was a murder at one of the buildings. I was betrayed by partner. There's a, there's a series, quite a series. It was, seemed like a never-ending series of, of events, like when is it going to stop type of thing. And all that did was it, it compelled me to try to control more, to try to gri- get a, that grip on things uh, and fight and be assertive, aggressive. And, of course, my energy was wearing each time. And then... There's a series of wake-up calls, Pamela. The, the final one was a wake-up call in which I was sort of waking up in this cold room and seeing white walls and, and then hearing a, a doctor say, Danny, um, we need your permission to go further. And, and what that involved was I missed uh, uh, doctor's appointments for skin cancer on my nose because I was so involved in trying to keep things together and fight my, my battle, so to speak that I ended up having five surgeries. I lost half my nose and over two years of reconstructive surgery. And that, that was probably the final wake-up call in which I surrendered because I, I had no choice. I had no energy left. I couldn't go on fighting. And as I related, actually, I think in both books, is it was with that surrender that I had a glimpse of a more peaceful way, not only uh, at home but at work, where... I saw that it's easier to m- maybe step back and allow and not be so controlling and, and try to go more within the natural currents of life rather than trying to manipulate them or resist them that, that had been my way for many years. So that's really began my journey to where I am today, and it's been a wonderful journey. And that's why I, I, the, my book, Losing Control of Finding Serenity, is I found a lot of serenity, and I'm still finding more serenity by practicing acceptance 
and, and Pamela, what, what I learned was of all the tools of letting go of control, uh, accepting what is, is is the best one. Because when you are in acceptance, there's no need to control. Well, it's interesting because you sound like you were so, at one point you were so busy uh, leading your life that you were too busy to live your life. That's uh, really a nice way of saying it. And now yeah. you're talking about acceptance. You know, that rings differently for different people, as I, as I know you know. Yes. The yes, way that you're describing it, it sounds sort of peaceful and calming and liberating in a, in a number of ways. But there are people who will say, "Accept? why should I accept these terrible things that are going on? Right, right. And so it really gets into what I consider to be, you know, true acceptance. And, um, you know, for example, I'm writing an article right now on saying why we should accept people we dislike. I have an art, a chapter in the book, Why We Should Accept Our Foes. And it's in, within the context of, of acceptance is, is being accepting the underlying reality or the objective facts of, what, of the person or the situation without judgment and without what I call negative feelings, mainly fear and anger. When we can process those feelings, we get to a more neutral mindset in which it's more, more even-keeled. And it's that type of acceptance. We're not condoning, by the way. We're not excusing. We're not justifying. We're not being a, a doormat. We are just really seeing reality in a more objective manner, and it is that type of acceptance of which I write about. It is that type of acceptance that gives us gifts, and one of the big gifts, it, it allows us to see what our best options are, what our best choices are under the circumstances. And I don't think we can do that until we, we go through this process that results in an, in an acceptance. And, and Pamela, by the way, you know, it, it's extremely challenging. It's easy for me to say these things, but right. so we need to look at acceptance as a process. It doesn't happen right away or as fast as we like, but we take incremental steps. But once we get closer and closer to that neutral, even-keeled acceptance, that's when these benefits really start to flow to us. Well, you, you're right. I mean, the concept, again, of acceptance and sort of accepting your foes, accepting people you don't like. It doesn't mean that I have to have tea with them, does it? Of course not. Probably probably the last one I want to have tea with, but <laughs> it, 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 what it does require a little bit is to try to put ourselves in their shoes and, and realize that, you know, people aren't always out to get us, to harm us. Okay. You know, I think for the most part people act in their self-interest, as most of us do. And, and so if we can start to look at it from there, then we don't get into where we're going to be retaliating. Because oftentimes retaliation uh, really hurts us more than, than the other person. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't protect ourselves, defend ourselves, but it's the way in which we do those things that's important. So, I, I had a, oh, yes. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, please, continue. Well, I had a, a tenant at one of my buildings that was abusing parking privileges and, 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 and just taking space that wasn't his, and the neighbors uh, were complaining, our neighboring tenants, and, and he kept doing it with his delivery trucks, and it was just like, oh, you know. And so my first, first response is, you know, sick the attorneys on him, you know. 
Um, but then I took the weekend, and he was in total denial. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong, you know, that type of thing. But I took the weekend, and I said, you know what? This, this person's business has grown so much that he's doing it out of his business survival, that he really, in a way, doesn't have a choice. And Danny, he's not trying to get at you or necessarily or to hurt you. So with that, I was able to, to get more into that neutral acceptance mindset and say, okay, what are my best options here? And it was not to sue. It was not to get into this battle with him, you know, but to let things ride and to see how things played out a little bit. And in, in two months, he left, and we end up renting his space for 20% higher. So that's one of the, those things, you know, you don't expect them. But when, when you come into the, to the acceptance, it's amazing some of the marvels that, that can come our way. So just to stay with that uh, story for a moment, you sure. understood that he was doing what he was doing because from his perspective he had no option. But you also understood that he was doing something that was outside of the, the rules of, of, of the property. That's correct. He was in breach of his contract. And 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I would have filed a suit immediately. And I, and I likely would have, could be involved in a suit that would have taken a couple of years battling, a lot of money, a lot of aggravation. And, you know, I'm, again, if I really felt I was going to be harmed long term, maybe I'd be more aggressive. But by stepping back, you know, taking that pause time and really looking at the situation, you know, I decided not to move on him. And, and it, you know, it, it worked out really well for us. It, it, it sounds like it worked out 20% better for And I, I've had <laughs> similar situations. I used to be drawn into battle very easily because, you know, that's what controllers, you know, they get into fights. But I, it's not that I won't do, do battle if I have to, if I'm really in danger, but I really look at it and I ask myself, how important is this? Am I really being harmed or going to be harmed? You know, I ask myself a series of these questions to I get to a really more realistic view of what the situation is. And it's from that, that's what I mean by acceptance. It doesn't mean, you know, that I like this person, that I want to have coffee or tea with them, you know. But it, it, it means that I, I need to change the focus from him to what's best for me. Gotcha. Daniel A. Miller, author of The Gifts of Acceptance, Embracing People and Things as They Are. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Daniel, as we talk more about acceptance, you make it clear in the gifts of acceptance that, as you've said before, it doesn't mean condoning the behavior. It doesn't mean that you can't set limits. It doesn't mean that the person has to be your new best friend. And it does not mean that you can't be angry about the situation with which you're confronted. But it does mean that you put more energy into a proactive approach for yourself versus trying to beat up the other person. Do I have that? 
That's correct. You definitely do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for those people who say, well, uh, yeah, but, you know, it's the principle of the thing. I just have to do X, Y, and Z because it's the principle. It doesn't really hurt me, but it's the principle. I mean, I can see you doing that with the, as you said, with the gentleman who was taking up the parking. It's the principle of the thing. And and, and that's a really good question. And basically, w- by accepting, are we giving up our values and our and our principles? And and my my personal belief is is that we are not. Uh, I need to look and examine those principles and see, you know, you know how they apply. And, and whether, for example, I might ask myself, is my ego involved in this too much? And that often happens with, with uh, our, our children or our friends, you know. Am I being humble enough? So I need to sort of look at, at what my part in it, in whatever the situation is as well. But if, if, it's, if it's the principle uh, that's really important to it, yes, you can seek justice, and I guess that's what we'd say. You know, I'm not saying that we don't seek justice when we feel there's been an injustice. But what I'm saying is, is the manner in which we seek justice is very important. And if we seek justice without um, processing our fears and anger, and, and by the way, I, in the book, as you probably read, is a, a couple really good acronyms for fear, F-E-A-R's, future events already ruined. Mm-hmm. Or, or false evidence appearing real. Right. We need to look at that and see if is that what this is about. Is that what is my principle based on this, or is it really true, really in my heart, the principle? And then, yeah, sure. Uh, if that's the case, you need to stand up for yourself and do what you feel is right for yourself. But just do it in an even killed manner as you can, and. I think, and I don't want to get into in, into politics and all this. Uh, and part, but part of my, my, you know, my book is mainly, you know, accepting in our important relationships, you know, our, our parents, our children, our siblings, our foes, and our life circumstances and failures and health and aging and all that. But I, I believe a lot of the principles that once we can begin to practice acceptance and those things, that hopefully it would be my hope that that can sort of start to transition over to some of these really more difficult uh things that we're dealing with in the, in the world today and and in which you know everybody has their principles right and your principle may be totally the opposite of my principle or value so what do we do then right well one of the things we need to do is to have a really open conversation in which we listen to the other people if, if we're able to do that and they listen to us in other words i i call that civil discourse yes you know and not gotten, get drawn into invectives and name callings and all those things. So uh, I'm, I'm gotten a little off base here, but <laughs> what I'm saying is my hope is my, that my book will be a conversation starter yes. on some very important conversations that we need in our world today. You you give examples um, in your book of, of people and the impact of their shift to acceptance. I'd like for you to tell us a bit about Martin, the former drug addict who stopped blaming his parents. And Martin is is quite a person. I know him, um, and I know his history and his story. And as you say, he he was an addict. Uh, He he grew up with his father being an addict, and, and in his early 20s he was on the streets, he was in and out of facilities, and uh, his life was just d- spiraling d- down. Uh, 
he found sobriety. Um, he found he, he works the the twelve step programs, and when you hear him talk today, what Martin will, one of the things he'll say is that I know that my parents didn't go to bed at night thinking, well, how can we get Martin? Mm-hmm. I know that is that they were limited and they were doing the best they could, and that my playing the 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 martyr or the victim is going to get me nowhere. So his focus, what he'll tell you, is on improving his own life, finding out what he can do, whether through readings, through through courses, whatever, is to find out about who Martin is and what Martin can do to improve his life. So Martin accepted his parents for who they were, faults and all. And it was only with that acceptance that he could have that critical shift to what was, was with really within his control or power to do. And that was how he was going to lead his own life. And if you hear him speak today, he is an inspiring person and speaker. And a, a, a great example, uh, I, what I believe is one of the other big benefits, or what I say gifts of acceptance, is with acceptance there's a, there's a critical shift in our focus mm. from what we can't do or what we can't control to what we can. Which already puts you at the head of the game. Be- ahead sure of does. The game. Sure um, does. Because otherwise, we're so involved in other people's lives. Right. You know, like I talk about expectations in the book a lot. You know, it is when we expect, we can't accept. Because we are, we are looking to others to somehow, I believe, fulfill our core needs. And when we're expecting things of others, it creates not only resentment and dissension, but again, our focus is on others and not ourselves. And that's so critical that we can look at ourselves as, as honestly as we can. And that's why I have a couple of chapters on, you know, accepting ourselves and, and ways that we can do that better. And, you know, the, what, what's true is that the more time you spend energy, sort of waste your energy on trying to control someone else, the less in control or in choice is what I like to say you are with yourself. And so, again, you're just fighting yourself, and that's absolutely not what you want to do. You, you say that one of the, the most difficult things to overcome at, at, at the outset of practicing uh, acceptance is a barrier entitled denial. Tell us about the denial barrier. Yeah, I, I think denial is probably the largest obstacle to practicing acceptance because when we are in denial, we don't have the awareness of what we need to begin to accept. And I, I, I use denial in, in, in its broad sense. It's just not like saying, no, this isn't true. It, it can be deflecting. It could be misthinking, you know, uh, wishful thinking, um, it, it, or those or being the victim. Any, anything that removes us from taking a look at the hard facts of our life in our relationships and our situations. So that's what denial is. And so you have to find ways to overcome your denial before you can be, start to become aware of what you need to accept. I, in the book, I have what I call denial self-inquiries or they're little questions that maybe can 
help us see what, what we might be denying. Yes. Um, I'll read just a couple if it's okay. One, you ask yourself, is an important area of my life becoming unmanageable? Mm. And if so, why? Are my important relationships being impacted by something? If so, what is it? Am I engaging in wishful thinking about something important? Am I being truly honest with myself about someone or some matter? These type of queries or questions, uh, if we can start to ask ourselves that, can sort of hone us in on areas that we really need to become more aware of. And, and, and I think... With- I think with our asking ourselves those questions, if we allow our own internal sort of shaming, blaming self to fall away, we can get some powerful answers. For sure. And, and, and of course, that, that, that's an, another challenge is, is, is to be too hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to be accepting of ourselves with our own flaws, right? I mean, we, no one's perfect, and certainly we're not perfect. Um, so we, we need to be kinder to ourselves as well. Uh, at, at the same time, it's important to identify those areas of ourselves that are counterproductive for us. And that's what I talk, I talk about taking up what I call a personal inventory of your, your pluses and minuses. And what we might think uh, is a plus might be a minus. It's a matter of balance. It's a matter of balance. In other words, with my... Children, for example, or our children, for example, when am I being too enabling, for example? Or when am I being too fearful? So we need to really look at these type of things because uh, being too enabling is not helpful to our children, but also being not being responsible enough for guiding them in with their values and ethics also might be irresponsible. It's, I think it's like most things in life, and I talk about that with control a lot, and it'd be the same with acceptance. It's finding that balance that is right for each of us. So, if you, for example, if you have surrender on one side and you have control on the other, where do we lie? You know, and my, I was overweighted on control <laughs> many years ago. I try to be in that middle ground of balance. And that leaves you, again, so many more options in so many more ways, emotionally as well as physically. Definitely. Daniel A. Miller, author of The Gifts of Acceptance. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Daniel, you've used a word uh, a few times during our conversation today that I, that I want to go back to, and sure. that that is fear, because I would suggest that people who were trying to be in control of you name it everything um, are afraid, and maybe part of the work is trying to figure out what you're afraid of. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense. Uh, believe me, as a controller. I was fear-driven, and 
yeah, fear is, is is the main catalyst for control. You know, as controllers, we're, we're, we're thinking about what all what the what ifs and what might happens and what could be's and you know all those speculative things. And I, I uh, you know, con- uh, fear is is I I believe is mainly illusory. And once we start to examine it, and, and I call face and embrace it, it begins to diminish. It loses its hold over us, and that's when we can really start leading. Uh, making more positive decisions for ourselves and not having this barrier of fear. And, you know, ultimately, where I'm at right now is where fear was the driver of my life. Today, trust is. Mm. I trust that I will be able to take care of myself, whatever the situation, that I will find some ways. I can look back on my life and see, hey, I've done that, you know, and when I have that that sense of trust and let that guide me, then that it doesn't totally eliminate the fear, but it diffuses it significantly. Fear is not that acceptance blocker that, that it otherwise is. So, Daniel, if I'm working with or for someone and they haven't read your book yet, so they don't know about the gifts of acceptance, and they are a control freak extraordinaire. What do I do? If you were, with the different things, and I, and I call those the myths of, of control, you know, if, if you can find ways to help them with their fears, in other words, if you're like an employer and your boss is, is just this controlling person, it's, you know, I, I call it acting as if. Act confidently around them. Let them have the feeling that, yeah, I can take care of things or I got it, you know. So, because that's, that's what their fear is. They're, they're not fearful of you not performing well. They're fearful of they have their own, their own fears. So uh, that's one thing. If we can depersonalize it and, and realize that it's not really about us, it's not what's going on. So if we can sort of remove and detach ourselves from that, and I know that's not easy, but if we can work on doing that and not get into you know, are any any kind of self-blaming? You know, um, that will be helpful. So that when we re- remain and can get into that more calmer mindset, that can easily uh, help diffuse the, the the controlling bosses or whoever that person may be. Um, you know, and I, I say these things knowing that you know, oftentimes you know, we, we we're in this environment that it's difficult to do that. But the more that we can focus on those things you know and of course i i say this about acceptance throughout acceptance doesn't mean that you need to accept abuse or violence or any of those things if it gets to those points you leave you extricate yourself from the situation so i'm not talking about those more extreme situations right i'm talking about these other areas where we can do things for ourselves where we can look at what what can we do you know but we don't want to necessarily confront the controller. We don't want to engage the controller okay. because they like that. You know, they, they want to do battle. So we have to be very careful that we don't engage. Daniel, how does one access your website and get more information about what you've written and what you're doing? My website is uh, danielamiller.com, Pamela, and I have there over 70 uh, articles on the control and acceptance dynamics uh, that your listeners can access. I also have some of my 
artwork there and some of my poetry. I, I, I guess I didn't mention through this whole process of letting go and accepting, I've tapped into my creative world, and I love it. And that's the last 20 years, in addition to the writing and the painting and the poetry, um, has allowed me to really explore those. And I was a person that never felt... I, I could draw anything. Well, I, so. I have to tell you, Daniel, I looked at some of your artwork, and it really is wonderful. So well, thank, thank you, you for mentioning that. Thank you also for spending time with us today talking about the gifts of acceptance. Daniel Miller, thank you. Thank you, Pamela. It was very nice to be on your program. And folks, thank you for joining me on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a mental health, medical health, or other professional. You can always listen on demand by going to mindtalk.org. That's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. You can contact me directly by going to Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. Again, that's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. Take care. Thank you.